Hello. I know. Look at me. Three weeks in a row. I'm on a roll. Takes 21 days to make a habit. So I, I might I might pull this off. I don't know. We're going to play it by ear. So today I felt compelled to talk about the city that I live in, Houston, Texas. And a big problem that some of you may be experienced in your towns, your cities, especially if you live in a hub. You know, Houston is, it's in Texas, as you know, and it is a major city. I think it's the number four largest city in the U.S. I could be wrong. Uh, that may have changed since I last checked. But it is surrounded by oil and gas industry. It's really a really big oil and gas industry city. So when you have cities like that, you know, cities that are tech-related, like things in the Silicon Valley, you know, they get, they become these huge things. Like we've seen what happened in uh, Los Angeles, in California, the whole state really over the past couple of decades, you've watched this growth and even gentrification. And uh, yeah, so when those things happen, you know, if you look at it from the perspective of a the person who's benefiting from it, you're like, whoa, this is great economic growth. So much happening. So many things. Right. But a lot of people are forgetting about the people that benefit nothing from all of this. And if anything, they lose. So, for example, I'm going to give a mild example to start off with before I continue. Me, I live in an apartment complex that is half regular apartments and the other half are low-income, income-based apartments that are, like, funded through government programs. So, you know, they have to go through all these processes. And if you make, like, less than a certain amount, you can qualify. When I moved in here, I was a barista. uh, And I was also, like, running my own pop-ups, like, food pop-ups at this market. My income was fairly low. So me and my boyfriend's combined income fell into the low income bracket here at this apartment. And we got an apartment here in the city where, you know, right by our jobs, where we could thrive, where we could walk places, you know, so we didn't have to rely so much on gas because gas prices were just crazy. And, you know, inflation since the pandemic has just been insane. So like, you know, you have to try to adjust and find apartments and things, housing that is affordable for you so you don't live outside of your means. That being said, they recently got taken over by a new management company, an out-of-state management company, of course, because that's what most of them are. And first of all, I just want to say really quickly that I, I will talk down on landlords on this and I will talk down on property owners. So i Uh, If you're one of those people, unless you're not totally trash to your tenants, I really have no sympathy for you and you probably don't want to listen to this. So these, uh, this management company has come in and they are like, Hey, we're in partnership with your old management company. We're here. We're letting us, letting you guys know. And they made a few improvements by improvements. I mean, they got power washing, which needed to be done. This place hadn't been power washed probably in 10, 20 years, you know, it looked dirty. They did things like fix doors that wouldn't unlock or, or wouldn't lock or they painted 
the trim on the windows. They did things that literally you should do, you know. They added a trash valet service, which is, like, so ridiculous because, like, they can't even get the dates right. The people who pick up the trash are, like... It's, it's like one person doing this whole complex and it takes forever. And not that I'm like complaining, like that person is working their ass off. But like, how do you just have one person doing this? And then it's just like, this is a big complex. I have no idea how many. I wonder if I can figure out uh, how many units my apartment has. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe like 500 units. It's a really big complex. I mean, maybe 500 feels like a lot, but I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) look at me just exaggerating numbers. Okay. So they did these improvements and then I was speaking to my neighbor. So my neighbor, Connie, she's great. She's this older woman who lives alone and she's really awesome. She's just like sweet. She gives me stuff all the time. Uh, really good vibes. She's really, she's good friends with the neighbor across from me, Edna, who, sorry, I thought I heard something. The neighbor across from me, Edna. Oh, it's my cat hitting the blinds. Okay. So Connie is friends with the neighbor across from me, Edna, who's also a very elderly, much elderly woman. And they're both, they came from these other low income, uh, senior homes right before that, that had, Uh, basically succumbed to the Memorial Day floods here in Houston a few years ago. So I, God, my cat. So she was telling me that they're getting rid of the low income program at our apartment complex and that basically we all have three years to get out, essentially. Because, you know, legally they can't just, you know, say goodbye Uh, low-income people, fuck you guys. They have to give us, like, enough time to figure out or get our shit together or save money or I don't know what. So I know some people are going to hear that and be like, Kathleen, you have three years to figure it out. Okay, I have three years, but that means they're no longer taking low-income people at this point. So the people that are here, we're, like, grandfathered in for three years. And that means that these people that are coming in for the same apartment that I'm paying $1,002 for, they're not going to be paying fifteen to $1,600. And all they did was paint things, guys. All they did was wash them. This was made as a low-income inner-city apartment, right? Not even, like, not even two blocks to the left of me, there's this other apartment complex that was for low-income people that the city or the government or somebody let be let they stop taking care of it, which is what they were doing to this place till some apartment company acquired it. But they were letting it get run down. If you drove by there, you could see. And like the people who lived there were all low income, maybe formerly unhoused who got a housing voucher or something. And that location is closest to downtown where all of like the court stuff is. There's shelters, there's food, There's places to, like, get groceries, you know. So this is, like, important location for people who are trying to, like, stabilize their housing situation. So, and that's gone now. And they're tearing it down to make a bigger highway. And all of those people got displaced and put into somewhere else. And allegedly they're building another one down the bayou for these people. But 
this is this isn't like 10 or 20 people y'all this isn't 100 people this is thousands of people you're displacing and future people who could have come in there that you've now displaced you've taken somewhere else off the market and now my complex which was half low income half regular is becoming a full regular complex and there's another one that's being taken away from people from second ward i live in second ward and people who've lived here forever are being driven out by property taxes alone you know property taxes are more expensive than what they were paying for their homes when they got it if you tell me that that's right, you're crazy. If you're doing that to people, you're greedy as fuck. And I f- do not feel bad for you that you uh, will end up a very miserable, sad life. And I know you're like, God, Kathleen, you're getting so passionate. It's because this is my living situation, you know? To think that like, to for someone who's lived without stability in their life for most of my life, you know, I've also, I've been an unhoused woman. And I know the feeling of losing your home and fighting so hard and doing everything in your fucking being to make sure that you don't lose the roof over your head. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And you still lose your home. You know, that feeling is a feeling that unless you've experienced it, there's just no way to describe it, you know. And there's... I just, I, for me, because I guess because I've experienced it, you know, I cannot fathom these people who do not understand. Have you no sympathy? You know, I understand not being able to see the full perspective because there's like a lived perspective and there's a learned perspective, which is something my friend said to me recently after I got upset over something, you know, and I was just like this lived perspective and this uh, learned perspective. Like no matter what, there will be always some amount of understanding, but there will never be a full understanding because I lived it and you learned it, you know? And when people learn things, it's never fully the degree of experiencing it yourself, of feeling the physical reaction that your body feels to these sort of things, you know? So, yeah. So that's, that is pretty upsetting to me. And, you know, so that is news that I got not like a few weeks ago. So I was just like, eh, whatever. I'm I'm mad. I'm trying to move into somewhere else anyway. So it may not affect me that much, but you know, there's people who aren't as lucky as me because I've been the person who wasn't, uh, as lucky, you know? So yeah. So I've also been seeing some of my friends posting like that their rent is going up and this is just, and I mean multiple people, I'm not even kidding y'all, like more than 10 people have posted on their stories over the past few days, few days, please. I remember I said a few days, so three days that their rent is going up. And this morning I saw another one where my friend said their rent was going up 150 bucks again after it was raised last time. So landlords, what, what? What's up? What's going on? Are you, do you thrive from knowing that you could be displacing homes? I don't know. I, so anyways, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to, I'm gonna try to steer away from my emotional feelings on this. Uh, now that I've like expressed them, I'm gonna try to go to a more factual part of this because People are going to listen to this and be like, okay, she's clearly she's living it. So she's very emotional on the topic. Maybe not. Maybe you'll all be like, fuck yeah, let's go burn down the state. 
I don't know. But there's an article that came out earlier this year by on the Texas Observer that um, it's titled, Houston is inhaled as a national success for fighting homelessness, but the reality isn't quite as rosy by Sam Rusek. And that that title is solid. I really love how that started because I need y'all to know that Houston ranks pretty high on the helping of the unhoused. And But do you know what that means? Do you know what qualifies you as an unhoused homeless person in Houston? Because I think people just assume that, okay, that homeless person on the corner, why doesn't he just go get help? Why doesn't he just go to the shelter? You know, why doesn't he just this or that? First of all, you have no idea about that person's life. We really got to stop mind reading other people. We've really got to stop thinking we know what's going on just from our perception. There are so many factors that go into one person that there's just no way you could know what that stranger you see on the corner asking for money is thinking. There's just no way you could know what's going on in their life. There's no way. You can't even say, oh, they just want it for drugs, whatever. Maybe you're right. Or you're really fucking wrong. Why is it that we dehumanize the unhoused so much? We just like, I've heard so many people just like not even refer to them as humans. Like, oh, that homeless man. Oh, sick. Like, oh, that's so disgusting. And I'm like, he's just sitting on the sidewalk. Like, do you, what do you want him to do? Hide in a trash can? Like, he can't sit on that bench because it's got spikes on. So he can't lay down on it, you know, <coughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? That was a bad example, but you know what I mean? So anyways, this article kind of talks about how, you know, Houston was triumphed in recent years as like the gold standard for its brand of like housing first homeless services. And, you know, we were supported by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. And they really what they focus on is finding someone a place to live and then like figuring stability from there because they know because um as a basic thought they know that most of these people aren't going to be able to get a lot of the things they need to get done to prosper if they don't have a roof over their head you know it's just it's just kind of a given it's really hard to like get ready for work you know and be not outside you know it's just hard so what changed about that? You're like, wow, Kathleen, that sounds great. Houston sounds great. You know, they made it a priority. Like, well, what happened? What changed? Well, according to this article, in 2012, a messy web of nonprofits partnered with Harris County, where Houston is located, to centralize their data and leadership under a nonprofit known as the Coalition for the Homeless, while works with over 100 local nonprofits to expedite which works with over 100 local nonprofits to expedite the process of matching unhoused people with open apartments owned by partner landlords. Funded with $42 million annually from HUD, these nonprofits create a safety net that is simultaneously outside of and akin to the local government. For better or worse, Houston, is, Houston housing providers have to follow regulations for how they can use their funding and who gets access to resources. Aside from small tweaks in HUD languages, these regulations have remained largely the same over the past decade. While other U.S. cities under the same funding restrictions implemented a patchwork approach and fell victim to poor planning or scant resources, Houston wagered that centralized decision-making could speed up the process. Okay. And if you believe the remarkable statistics, they're right. You know, Houston could speed up the process. 
The coalition today boasts a 54% decrease in homelessness over the past 10 years as of 2021. And representatives from across the country and even London, according to Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner's office, have made the pilgrimage to the city to study how it did it. On January 26th, the mayor doubled down on the approach, announcing a $100 million increase in funds. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So you're like, okay, you hear all that, and you're like, wow, Kathleen, what could you possibly be mad about? You're in the city. Like, your city's has got it worse, right? Okay, but keep in mind, fourth largest city. So all these numbers, I think what these percentages lack is perspective. Because who are the numbers? Is that number accurate? Because the numbers they're using is they're using the people they've helped. Okay? <laughs> they're using those numbers. So what, what categorizes the people that they've helped? And I do want to preface this by saying that those people who got help deserve that help. And I am not saying they did not deserve that help. They did. They should have gotten it. I'm talking about the people who didn't get it. All right. So the article continues on to say, but if you talk to people who are unhoused in Houston or are working to help people find stable housing, the picture is far less rosy. The problem is that homelessness is a more expansive issue than a single statistic can reveal. Many who struggle to find a place to sleep at night don't qualify for HUD's official definition of what makes someone unhoused. And in Houston, even if you do, the public-private nature of the program can place people in inadequate homes with apathetic landlords. Homelessness has steadily increased nationwide since 2016, and though the numbers are differently different in Houston, the pandemic helped expose the pre-existing fissures of the city's system, leaving some of the most vulnerable and isolated situations far from the assistance they need assistance they need so of course the numbers it's a single statistic but you know that's what is really funny about these politicians not just mayor sylvester i'm talking about all of them that's what's really funny about all of them is that they cling to these numbers and they push them at us and they show us and we're like okay great yeah these are great numbers we don't want to do the work to figure out the numbers it's a number you cannot statistically say houston has taken down homelessness by 56% and you're only factoring in the people you've helped. You're not factoring in all of the unhoused people, all of the homelessness, all of it. You're not factoring those people in, which is way more. And if you live in Houston and you've worked ever with the homeless, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like the system is not working guys. It's not. (sighs) All right, so in this article, uh, there's a guy who is the program's operation director for the Coalition for the Homeless. He gave an example. He said that there's a ladder, and you have those people who live perpetually off balance, perhaps stepping up one or two rungs before falling back to the ground, and you have those who, due to a conflict of factors, cannot seem to climb at all. But before anyone else... CFTH has to help those stuck at the bottom. In our kind of HUD world, we have to go with who's in most crisis. Then when there are funds available, we can move up the ladder. Okay, my issue with that, though, is is that I'm reading millions of dollars are going into this. And then I'm reading that the rate of homeless people this year was like 3,000-something people. You're telling me, you're telling me 
maybe I'm maybe I'm ignorant. You're telling me that you got 40 million one year, 100 million another year, and we still can't seem to get these people a place, a room, like a room even with shared showers. Nothing. Am I so ignorant? You know, am I? Please, somebody tell me if I'm ignorant because I, I want to know. Because, man, what the fuck? I just. Yeah, so once a year, HUD's asked basically to count the homeless, essentially. But what they use to describe homeless people, unhoused people, it's their it's their strict category. So anybody could fall off on this. The numbers are so skewed. And it's just, I think it's done on purpose. And it's done on purpose. So it seems like they're doing their job and the money's getting spent. But really, people are probably have beefy, nice little salaries. I'm curious to see what the head person at Coalition for the Homeless makes for income. Who is the head? Who is the head of the coalition homeless Houston okay president and CEO of the coalition is a white man named Michael Nichols sorry I don't he's probably he could be really nice um I don't know I'm just I point out point that out Michael Nicholson linked in. Let's see. Ow, fuck. Okay. Um, I guess there's a lot of dudes named Michael Nicholson, Houston uh, Coalition. Okay. Mike Nichols. There we go, Mike Nichols. Let's see. Let's look up Mike Nichols real quick. Let's go on a little side path. Mike Nichols, CEO and President of Coalition for the Homeless of Houston in Harris, Fort Bend, and Montgomery Counties. Wow. Wow, Mike. Let's see. He was... So, before the coalition... So, he's been there for three years, ten months. Interim CEO, and then CEO, President... For the home of the coalition for the homeless and then before that he was the interim ceo for a year and a month at houston parks board before that he was a coo at a grocer supply place and before that he was a senior vice president and general counsel at cisco okay went to brown university in 1970 emory university school of law in 1974 oh great that's fantastic so this guy totally gets homelessness in Houston because of all of that. Oh, man, this is... I low-key wish I wouldn't have looked that up. Uh, anyways, back to what I was doing before I ruined my whole day. <laughs> all right, y'all, I know I'm being dramatic. It's just like... The city keeps growing. So my point is, so this is limiting people... Because there's, so they're claiming now that they have all this money, but they don't have places to put people. Okay. And it's just like, come on, use some of that money to build some of these complexes that are for un, low income people only and stop getting rid of low income housing. It's bullshit. 
I just, I don't get it. And I know it's probably a landlord thing and it was our landlord who did it probably of this place. You know, the property manager originally made this a low income apartment place. And then when they sold it, these new people were like, fuck no, we hate the poor people. Um, you know, but the point is, is like a lot of unhoused people don't live on the street. Some of them are on a friend's couch out of friendliness, you know, whatever. But because this friend was nice, they no longer qualify for as a homeless person. Isn't that weird? Isn't this just also weird to you guys? Is it just me? It can't be just me. Anyways, so the crisis now is that there's not enough places to put the people in because people keep moving here. Or these the complexes are no longer low income. And I know people, there's like these memes like stop moving here. But really, y'all, stop moving here. Or, I don't know, or contribute. Or don't displace whole neighborhoods when you move here. Don't move here and be like, oh, God, I have such a boner for how cheap these houses are. I'm going to buy it four and make them all Airbnbs. Man. And you're not even from here and you're doing that, okay? Like, there's people from here doing that and, like, whatever. But at least let them do it. You know, I don't know. I just... (sighs) It's like how Jake Paul got mad at Bad Bunny for uh, allegedly, quote-unquote, utilizing the same tax breaks he did. Bad Bunny was born in Puerto Rico, Jake Paul. You were not. Hello? God. Like... And also, he's trying to better... I don't, I don't even want to go on that rant. This is such an infuriating conversation for me because we keep saying, like, oh, God, we have this huge unhoused problem. What do we do? But then we keep making more unhoused people. We keep displacing neighborhood, whole neighborhoods, generational areas like Second Ward, that it's just expanding. Y'all, I've watched it with my own fucking eyes from my apartment. I've lived in this complex on and off like I lived here in 2019 before that my friend lived here in 2016 I had another friend live here in 2014 so I've come to this specific complex a lot and I've seen the townhomes pop up the place catty corner from us open that opened last year has studios for a thousand eight hundred and sixteen dollars starting studios in Houston where you could get an efficiency at one point for $500 all bills paid. Now is a $1,816 no bills paid. And just because you get a fancy pool and it looks really trendy and you can see some buildings from your balcony. Oh, so cool. What about living? What about existing? What about the people who don't give a shit about Instagram photos with the city in the background? What about those people? When are we going to start caring about those people? Houston is in the early stages of this, but it's happening, dude. And it's really, really sad to watch people who've lived in Second Ward their whole lives have to leave. You know, or who grew up here who can't afford to come back here. You know, or... And it's so pre-gentrified, too. You can see, like, all of the dilapidated things next to really fancy townhomes and i'm all for fixing up the neighborhood y'all i am but why do we have to make it cost more to fix up the neighborhood like why why is that the tax of the poor is that what we pay it's like 
if you want to be in a nice neighborhood, you just got to live outside your means, essentially, is what you're saying. It's like how in poor neighborhoods, it's more, uh, the electricity bill is more expensive because the wires are older, so it works a little harder. Why is that? But in the richer neighborhoods, they've got nicer stuff, so they actually spend less. Isn't that weird how we almost, we give more breaks to the rich? Like, the more money you have, the less things that they'll try to make you buy because of your taxes, I guess. I don't know. I I know that somebody who moved to Houston that is disrupting the economy in their own way won't listen to this and they won't care. But I just hope to get the message out there because why, when did we become so fucking greedy? Like when was it? 1980, 1970, 1518 BC. What it, when was it? Cause it's really fucking depressing. <laughs> and also, you know, I have to figure out my housing situation. And right now, with all bills and everything, I my half of the rent is about $700. And that's, I can afford that. But any, I can't really afford much more than that, if I'm being honest with you. And I'm, in, and I'm doing okay, so that's me. There's people who are doing way worse than me, and I don't know. I just don't understand what's going to happen, and I'm really worried for my city. And I'm just really worried about why we've become so fixated on just taking care of ourselves instead of, like, others around us. You know, like, and next time you see an unhoused person somewhere, don't give them a dirty look. Just smile at them. Even if they say something strange to you, whatever, you can walk away, guys. You don't have to harass them. You don't have to tell them, get a job. You don't don't know what's going on. Please stop assuming that you know because of your own experiences. Please stop pushing your own biases on other people and try to get some motherfucking perspective. That is the most important thing I've learned in therapy is perspective. You have yours and then you have all the other possible ones because you're only seeing from what your childhood created you to be, what your traumas have led you to, what Everything that you've ever done in your life has led you to the moment of you thinking that way. But not everybody had the same life that you had. So not everybody's going to think the same way you do. So you should never assume that people know something. You should never assume that people did something, anything. You should never assume because you do not know. And maybe this is like, oh, God, Kathleen, I feel like you're yelling at me. I'm not. I'm just yelling at the person who's not listening. (laughs) That's who I'm yelling at. Oh, yeah. I I don't want to go on too long about this topic anymore. I mean, I could go on forever, but I mean mostly because I'm obviously very passionate on the topic so I can get like a bit on tangents about anyways. Excuse me. About that. So, I'm going to finish up this article and then I think we should finish this uh in this article, they go on to talk about, like, you know, people with disabilities, people who are living, uh, people who are in housing on housing vouchers but are barely making it on housing vouchers or their vouchers going to run out soon. That's, in a way, that's a, a form of, like, homelessness, guys. Like, knowing that your home is going to go. 
Also, have we talked about these uh, landlords who've accepted these places, who've accepted these housing vouchers? Uh, one woman in here talks about how she might have mold. One, what her toilet doesn't work. She hasn't had a refrigerator. Like, come on, man. I mean, my dishwasher doesn't work and I've been asking to get it fixed for eight months now. You know, it's fine. Whatever. Like, just ignore that, you know, but, but ask me for more rent. <laughs> My ice maker hasn't worked. The light under my microwave has still hasn't been replaced. The light in my kitchen is out, still hasn't been replaced. There's a weird like light bulb in the bathroom. They don't even have it. They don't know how to replace it. But you want to raise my rent four hundred dollars, right? Right. And you want to unhouse people for stuff? Oh man, fucking jokes. Of course, Houston leads in evictions. Because of the bullshit that these landlords put people through. You know, it's like you gave a psycho power. These psychos, when they get money, they get freaking power. And then they exert it on people. I've been seeing all these, like, different landlord posts. If anybody's got the audacity, it's a motherfucking landlord. You, because you own the property, for sure, you own it. But a person is paying you. So there is an agreement there that you just don't act like a fucking piece of shit. It's not that hard. I feel like it's really not that hard. I know that there's... Some people who have taken advantage of landlords. Okay, sure. I'm not talking about those people. All right. Talking about the people who work their fucking asses off to barely make it every fucking day. And you want to send them a message that their blinds are too high or that they don't like their curtains or that they didn't like that their plant was outside or that they're not allowed to have Christmas lights. Come on. Like, see some control in your own life and stop trying to control other people's lives. That's what that's what gets me the most too. It's like how sad are you? Anyways. <laughs> yeah. The housing crisis in Houston is just going to it's going to fucking burst and something I can feel it. I feel something on the horizon. And yeah. I just hope that our city's leaders, our state <laughs> I even like want to laugh when I say that. Our cities, our state leaders, our country. Our country is, you know, it's a joke. And I there's like that TikTok trend that like anytime I leave U, uh, USA and then like when you come back and then it shows like Bucky's and Whataburger and all these American changes like these colors don't run. Red, white, and blue, motherfucker. It's like that used to be me kind of. Now, no. Like, no. No amount of Bucky's, no amount of Whataburger, no amount of In-N-Out, no, no, no. None of that is going to fix the bullshit that they're putting people through. The the things that these 70, 80-year-old men are putting people that have not, have never eaten. You're telling me a 70-year-old white man is going to understand the perspective of a 25-year-old black woman? No, they're not. This needs to change. I need to leave this country. If anybody knows of a way for me to get a job somewhere else, please just, I need to get out of here. This is crazy. I really hope that people who are coming to Houston realize that you have an, a duty to be respectful to the city, but to not displace the people in their homes. Don't come in here and buy up eight houses in Second Ward and then remodel them and sell them for four times what you paid for it. Stop fucking doing that. 
God, so fucking gross. Ugh. I'm like, I'm gonna go because these people disgusted me. I, pff, 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 I spit on you. <laughs> I, sorry, y'all. <laughs> I got a little bit worked up. It's just, you know, these are the things that keep me up at night. These are the things that I think about. So, anyways, go go out there. Be nice to people. Be nice to a homeless, per- a houseless person today. You know, give them a sandwich. Even if they reject it, so what? You have no idea why they rejected it. You don't know what mental illnesses they might be going through. Stop assuming. If you take nothing from this episode, take this. Stop assuming you know what people are thinking. You are not a mind reader. There is no way you could ever know what they're thinking or what they're doing or what they've been through unless you've been, unless you're, unless you are a mind reader, then my bad. And also try to see multiple perspectives. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. If you can't go read a book about something, I don't know, go to a Reddit post, do something. This complacency and lack of wanting to educate ourselves is really fucking embarrassing. So let's let's be better, guys. Anyways, I'm going to go now before I, I don't know, throw my laptop. Have a lovely day. Toodaloo.